I can't. It's too big. Size matters not. Look at me. Just me by my size, do you? Hmm? Hmm. And where you should not. For my ally is the Force. And the powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us. And binds us. Luminous beings are we. Not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here. Between you. Me. The tree. The rock. Everywhere. Yes. Even between the land and the ship. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 482, The Evolution of the Force. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Yoda and Qui-Gon Jinn to my Obi-Wan Kenobi, we've got Carl LeClaire and first-time guest, Dawood Haluk. Welcome! I call Yoda. Dawood, you can be Qui-Gon. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was that was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dawood, it's so it's so awesome to welcome you in the Wampas Lair. Thank you so much for being being part of this episode. You and I have had some awesome conversations back and forth over Instagram, uh, a lot about the spirituality of the Force and and all that. And uh, Jason and I were kind of cooking up this idea of just looking at how the Force essentially builds in each era of Star Wars. And I was like, ooh, I know who I'd love to talk about this with on the show. And <laughs> I'm so glad that you were you were willing to come on. Um, so welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Well, thank you for having me, guys. It's awesome for me. Um, I've been listening to you guys for a few years now. So it's it's pretty great experience now to uh, come on and talk about some of this stuff. Yeah, we are certainly looking forward to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, Jason, this is this is a topic we've certainly touched on a lot over the years in different ways, different angles. Um, but I don't know that we've ever explicitly talked about it this way, almost almost as if it's like a behind the scenes but in universe way, right? Like kind of going through subsequent eras and just looking at how was the force presented. So basically, just to chart your course, fellow listeners, um, we're going to yes. start with the original trilogy, go to the prequel trilogy, and then of course end with the Disney era. We are going to sandwich in a little bit of legends though as well, because Dawood and I specifically started having great conversations around the new Jedi. Order series when I was doing my reread a few months back, and Dawood, it seems like that's a series you particularly haven't have enjoyed over the years. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that series as it was coming out, and I've revisited it a couple of times. It's a lengthy series to try to revisit <laughs> from time to time. Um, that, that's and sure. it's got some really heavy heavy topics on there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ni- 19 books in a series is no joke. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Which is why I, I only- think I've, yeah, I think I've read like 14 of them. I've mi- I know I've missed a few, but I don't remember which ones I have read and haven't read. It's been so long. Yeah. <laughs> there, I, I've still not read all 19. I think over the years, I've pro- probably like you, Jason, there's probably like 14 or 15 I've read. But when I did this, I did kind of a curated read through this past May and I ended up doing six, only six of them. So that's not even half. Um, but I feel like I got the crux of the story. Lots of great stuff in there. Um, and like I said, Dawood was uh, sending some great insights along the way. So, uh, you know, inadvertently, Dawood, you were kind of giving us like your, your pitch as to why, like, hey, you should have me on the show because I'm brilliant. And we were like, we hear you, dude. We hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I know it wasn't, but, uh, I, I, uh, the, the force was, the force was willing it. What can we say? Yeah. It works in mysterious ways. (laughs) So, well, let's just, well, let's dive into this. Absolutely. And, uh, Carl, we're, we're going to start, as you said, with the original trilogy. Um, where, where particularly do we want to kick things off with? Well, Luke asks a question. The Force? Mm. The Force is what gives a Jedi his powers. Uh, An energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us. It penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. Yeah, but what is it? <laughs> that, that's, that's the question that right? nobody really answers ever. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's funny because when you, you look back at some old interviews from the 70s and 80s with some of the, the actors and the creators, uh, I, one of my favorite and to me funniest quips is, of course, Mark Hamill saying, The Force, well, it's religion's greatest hits. Um, and I think there's a he's lot of... He's not wrong. Yeah, he's not wrong. Um, but I do think... So and, and of course, I want to get both of your perspective. I feel like with a new hope, it is intentionally vague for that reason. Um, and mm-hmm. George Lucas is infamous for saying that he wanted to he wanted to tell a modern fairy tale and he particularly wanted to get people interested again in spirituality. Like that was important to George with telling the story of a new hope. So he kind of creates this very vague spiritual element that. That is not really expounded upon at all in the in the original film. All it does is kind of give this sense of something beyond just mere human physicality. Um, so I think right that's just, that's kind of where the force comes out of is is just simply this kernel of George wanting to plant a curiosity around spirituality and in young people um, in a in a time where that was not in vogue at all. Yeah, yeah. Watching some interviews recently, um, where he says that's the gist of what he's saying, and he's also kind of, uh, I believe it was a Bill Moyers interview, perhaps, Mm -hmm. uh, where he says like, cavemen knew God, uh, and they had like one, one percent. We have five, and the scale is a million, Mm. right? And I feel like the force is like his kind of take on that uh and that's why he keeps it so vague he wants to appeal to everybody catch that the universals and have people who may not be thinking about it start thinking about spirituality whatever it may be mm-hmm. whether you're in a religion or you're not in a religion yeah, yeah. it's it's less about 
pointing you towards any particular creed and more about getting you uh, interested in sparking wonder in something larger beyond ourselves, you know, something that's out there that can influence us that we can maybe influence or, or tap into in some way. Um, but something that's, that's outside of ourselves um, and, and explore that aspect. And of course we, we get even further into that, uh, making it a bit transcendent with Yoda's mm-hmm. dissertation on the force as Carl <laughs> likes to, to call it, you know, yeah. uh, we're luminous beings that, you know, kind of flow through this thing and we're able to tap into the force and use it, um, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Um, so. yeah, it, it, real quick, just before we, we, we do turn into Yoda's further explanation. Um, I think it's also worth noting that for Obi-Wan in a new hope though, the force is what gives the Jedi their power, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's this spiritual reality, but these, these mystical knights tap into it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's almost as if, um, and th- maybe this is me interpreting it very slantedly, but it's almost as if to say, to be the hero, to be the knight, one must be connected to this this transcendent force, right? Um, so it, it's like George is elevating, like you were, you know, you're kind of insinuating, Jason, that there's something of value to tapping into to a spiritual reality. It, it elevates the the Jedi in a way um, because they're, they're they tap into it, yeah, and it it this thing gives them their power. And, you know, Obi-Wan, you know, doesn't necessarily explicitly say this, but he's implying that, you know, they use these powers for good. They're, you know, you know, he's calling it. It's essentially a call to a higher it's a higher calling kind mm. of a thing uh, as a Jedi being connected to the force. So, yeah. And worth- yeah, they, um, the it's like they the the need for the Jedi to be to do their job, right? Which is to serve other beings and be guardians of peace and justice in the universe. They have to be connected to the entire web of life mm-hmm. or they can't properly do that job. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah so exactly. true. Um, well, and worth I think it's just interesting that the first time we actually hear the theme for the force in a new hope, um, right. Cause originally John Williams wrote that to be the, you know, the Ben Kenobi theme and then kind of got quickly repurposed into the theme for the force itself. And it's that moment when Luke is right. Watching the binary sunset. And I actually just recently for the fun of it, reread the, a new hope novel, which I haven't read in probably 20 years. Um, and it's actually really good. Uh, and during that scene in the novel, it points out how when Luke is watching the sunset, he feels his longing like a force calling out to him. It's this beautiful moment where almost as though George uses this moment and purposely asks John Williams to put the music there, right? Because I, I don't know if Dawood, if you've heard it, I'm pretty sure you have, Jason, because we've talked about this a lot. But the original music that was in that scene was very, like, almost haunting and ominous. And yeah, George yeah. has John Williams, you know, swap it out for this. And it's almost as though the force is at work in our longings, in our striving, right? Uh, I, which I just, I find to be quite beautiful um, that 
that our our innermost deepest desires are the force itself speaking to us um so um mm-hmm. yeah and or or it can influence those right desire right so like it's there guiding every little step of the way whether you're really aware of it or not yeah 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 exactly exactly um so Carl, yes. Carl, where where do you want to really dig into with Yoda? Because I know oh. you're you're dying to <laughs> to get into this conversation. Um, you know, it, I mentioned luminous beings. Is that where you want to start, or did you want to go well, somewhere else? Sure do. <laughs> I want to go somewhere else. Um, well, and what's interesting is where they take the Force in Empire Strikes Back is mostly coming from Irvin Kershner and. Um, uh, Lawrence Kasdan. So while George kind of writes the general story and obviously indicates that we're going to learn more about the force from Yoda and with his training of Luke, it's it's Lawrence and, and Irvin who really kind of build out what the force is. And um, again, Irvin Kirshner has talked about this before in interviews that at the time he was really interested in Zen Buddhism, as was Lawrence Kasdan. Um, and the force really in Empire Strikes Back becomes a very Eastern philosophy, which is mostly a mix of Taoism and Buddhism, Um, specifically the force as this, you know, this energy that pervades all of life. That is exactly what the Tao is in, in Taoism and the Tao, which literally translates to the way. Um, So it's really interesting that um, because I know after a new hope came out, you had religions, all across America, like kind of claiming it like this is this is kind of a, a myth for our religion. And I think that was, again, the brilliance of what George gave us with so little, so little context in A New Hope is that anybody could find a way to apply it, which I think was somewhat intentional. Um, and then mm-hmm. in Empire Strikes Back, as we kind of dig into a little bit more of, well, what is it? It's this kind of Eastern philosophy that it's it's kind of this primordial energy that just flows through all of all of created existence um and in Taoism, the belief is that one must find the way follow the way where it guides you and 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 kind of ascribe to that and the buddhist aspect of simply sitting in meditation um it's it's kind of this both end of learning to quiet your mind which is really what yoda is trying to teach luke so as to best understand where this primordial force is leading you and guiding you. Um, so in Empire, the force really, I don't think it, it's intentionally exclusionary of other traditions, but it becomes almost more concretely Eastern in its, in its manifestation. Yeah, I think, I think that's pretty true. Um, it really is very Taoist. And that was one of the points I wanted to talk about is that like, especially in the OT and rolling over into the legends that stems from the OT directly, everything is very, very Taoist, Zen, um, with hints of other traditions along the way from time to time. But for the most part, it's very yin-yang, although I would say maybe a little more Manichaean than um, Taoist because the, the dark and the light are not necessarily balancing forces mm-hmm. in that in that era they're opposite forces one is evil one is good at least as far as it's pre- you know presented to us in the films and uh 
and later whatever spun out of that. Yeah. Yeah. It it is definitely, uh, it it still works into that very definite. uh, There is a good and a bad to this and you need to, and, and Yoda is definitely trying to teach Luke to be able to, to clear his mind, to be able to listen in, to tap into the good side, the light. Um, you know, Luke says, how will I know the good from the bad? You will know when you are calm, at peace, passive, you know, um, and, and all that. So they're, they're definitely still striking that good and evil aspect to this thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I wouldn't quite say it's a yin-yang, but it, it definitely pulls in a lot of the Eastern uh, religious uh, philosophies uh, yeah. as we as we progress. So, and well, yeah, I recall in the annotated screenplay passage. I think it's from George about how anybody could train mm. to learn how to use connect to the force it's and comparing it to yoga <laughs> so those mm. things were very front and center in his mind i mean of course they were right he's from the generation when everybody was going to the gurus yeah and into all of that transcendental meditation and everything right absolutely yeah absolutely and i i do find it interesting though with this you know the kind of division in the original trilogy of light and dark sides of the force in an interesting way, and I don't, I doubt this is intentional, but there is a lot of Gnosticism to that. Like in early, in some of the early Christian traditions, um, right? Gnosticism was this popular belief, boiled down to, I'm obviously simplifying things here, but boiled down to that things of the flesh are evil. They were created by an evil God, but our Christian God is a luminous God, a God of spirit. So we must liberate these, you know, sinful bodies so in in an interesting way even yoda saying luminous beings are we it almost seems to elevate spirit over physicality um and there's Mm -hmm. there's a gnostic element to that um so which i just i find to be find to be interesting as well um i don't think i think they are aiming more for the yin and yang type stuff with the light and the dark um but like you kind of pointed out though that's not really how uh Taoism would describe the yin and the yang. They're not they're not opposing forces. They're balanced forces. Whereas in Star Wars, it almost right. presents them as opposing forces, which is more Gnostic because in the Gnostic worldview, there's the good side and the bad side. Um, yeah. Again, just goes back to Mark Hamill's religion's greatest hits. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're, there's things that are similar in a lot of these. You know, there's there's some like you know similar ideas or similar concepts uh, so let's just boil it down to a almost almost like a visual language for these that might that might encompass all of them yeah. so yeah yeah i don't think they wanted to tie themselves too tightly to any one thing so no it, and it, it, that- it shows the test of time right like it, it's caught the imaginations of millions and millions of people yeah for 40 years absolutely and and still to this day uh you know carl's a great example um religious leaders and pastors will use it as examples in their messages so (laughs) (laughs) for sure Uh, doesn't matter what faith you are (laughs) yeah Yeah. um 
that was, and I, if I mean to me, kind of the last big thing I would say about the Force in the original trilogy, though, is of course the idea that there is life after death, right? Whether or not that was meant to be an intentionally like Christian resurrection type theme, I don't know, um, right? Because I, I, I'm sure lots of you listening know know the infamous story of when George decided there wasn't really much story for Alec Guinness's Ben Kenobi for the end of the movie. He decides to kill him off in, in this moment of sacrifice. Um, and, and then chooses like to create this, oh, well, you're, you know, you're gonna, you're, you're still going to be around and you, you know, you're going to talk to Luke at the end of the movie. It's great. Um, you know, <laughs> it's like, um, a classic George Lucas improv right there, you know, but, um, right. I mean, George, George grew up as in a, in a family where they came from a Christian background. Like he grew up in the Methodist tradition. Um, he was never, a mm a huge participant nor was nor was his family it was more kind of a background but it was part of his worldview so christian themes are always going to i mean those are those will always be in george's subconscious when you grow up in christian churches and like go to religious ed classes like those things are just kind of in you <laughs> whether you believe yeah. them or not is is inconsequential but there those those things are there in your subconscious so i think for george like it was an easy thing to just make sense of like oh of course somebody can still exist after physically dying um right and and that's kind of that's even built out across the the three original movies. You know, Obi Wan at first is just a disembodied voice, then an then an embodied voice, and then there's this almost holy trinity <laughs> at the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it, yeah it's also I'm, something I'm, that. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Dawood. Sorry, uh, I just what's interesting to me is getting going a little bit back to the Taoist thing is especially as it's revealed later in the PTM, we'll obviously talk about that with the prequel section of this discussion, but um, the way they become force ghosts, at least the fact that there's training involved, it reads to me kind of like the Taoist immortality practices, Mm. um, which involve extensive meditation and like cultivation of the personal life energy into becoming this immortal being. Like there were the, the mythology of it is that they can actually like leave their bodies and go to the heavens or anywhere on the earth uh, and then return. But obviously we don't see that in star Wars, per se, but it, it's similar concepts to me, mm-hmm. but then there's, it's also pretty universal unless there's a particular philosophy that's like, it, this is not a thing, you know? Right. I, I was going to say, isn't it, um, and forgive me if I'm mixing up my religions here, uh, but I believe it's Buddhism where you try to uh, ascend to nirvana uh, after afterwards, and that's a very spiritual ascension, essentially. So, um yeah, yeah. It, it, it it's it's featured in in a lot of different things in, in different ways, but uh, you know the life after death death is obviously most overtly associated with Christianity um, in in some aspects, but it it's very it, it tracks along a lot of other philosophies and religious views and and things like that. So um, it's still keeping in line with. With the Eastern ideas, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there's like, you could compare it to the Bodhisattva vow in, in Buddhism, where they 
a being is enlightened and then but their vow is that they're not leaving the cycle of reincarnation until they've rescued everybody from the cycle of reincarnation and Mm -hmm. brought them to enlightenment. Uh, It's to me, it's similar. It's obviously loose, but it's a similar notion of like, I'm going to hang around as this spirit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. These people. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Cause eventually we know that Obi-Wan Yoda and Anakin eventually obviously move on into whatever next. Um, but that's a great point that specifically Obi-Wan and then even Yoda a bit, but mostly Obi-Wan does stick around in this spirited form to continue guiding Luke um, to, to at least Jedi knighthood. Right. Um, so right. maybe star Wars version of, of enlightenment. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, Real quick, right, so. before we before we jump into the prequels, um, I do want to just take a quick sidebar to the Legends canon. Um, and again, this is in no way going to be exhaustive at all. Um, and and I'm going to throw some like generalizations out here. But to me, Legends is almost two eras. We have everything from essentially Era of the Empire with Timothy Zahn from 91. I don't count Splinter of the Mind's Eye because I think that book's terrible. Sorry to all of you who like it. Um, but uh, from Heir to the Empire in 91 till essentially Vector Prime comes out to kick off the New Jedi Order in 99. That era, so basically from 91 to, to early 99, that first kind of crux of Legends canon, to me, that uh, kind of just turns the Force into a superpower. Um, and, and again, this is, this is me generalizing a bit, but the Force is kind of like it's it's just what make luke special it it makes him a great warrior it makes him kind of unbeatable um the force to me in a lot of those books and and again i am obviously simplifying here but it it just it essentially i don't know it kind of reminded me like something from harry potter it's just like it's it's his magic it's what makes him special and powerful um but some of the intricacies of the force don't really seem to be built out more until we get to the second era of legends, which is with new Jedi order and, and, and moving forward. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just think that's worth noting. Cause it, it, it kind of just, the force didn't really evolve much in that early part of legends canon, at least not in my understanding. And I think the other thing of note though, and this will definitely come into, into play when we start talking about prequels, but that early era of legends did also indicate that the force was somewhat hereditary. Um, of course we get hints of that in return of the Jedi with Luke revealing that it's in his, you know, it's in their bloodline and he's got it. His father has it. His sister has it. Um, but you know, some of Luke's quests on the, like the Jedi Academy trilogy looking for force sensitive folks, he's, he's purposely looking for children of former Jedi. Cause obviously this was before the prequel canon that, made Jedi celibate. Um, Right. (laughs) But Luke is searching for children of past Jedi because it's in their blood. Right. So it kind of introduces what, while it doesn't indicate that only these people can use the force, but it does kind of indicate this sense of hereditary inheritance of the force. Um, What do you, what do you think Dawood? Is, is that accurate? Um, Maybe I'm way off here. Yeah, I think it's fairly accurate. I mean, I haven't really revisited a lot of those books in a long time. Um, and it is the era that captured my imagination the most. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think the Force was just there kind of as a 
a magic well. It, it, yeah. it connected all things. I think the deepest I felt it got, and I haven't read this book in probably 20 years, but was in, in a scene in Courtship of Princess Leia um, when Luke has been injured really severely. Mm-hmm. And he starts drawing on all the life around him to yep. revive him. Yep. To me, that's about the deepest. Um, but everything pre- uh, preceding that, because that was a little bit later in the, in the course of essence heir of the empire and then everything up to hand of thrawn um i think for the most part yeah it was just it was luke's superpower and he was teaching other people how to be superhero yeah and they had no real reason to live in a temple which is why it was the former rebel base that it was his academy was in yep yeah i mean it was almost like they were a warrior it's 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 essentially it's it's essentially uh, Professor Xavier's uh, school for you know <laughs> the extra- gifted, yeah. for extraordinary children or yeah. you know whatever. But yeah, it's 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 it, it really is sort of like Professor X Academy uh, for mutants um, at this point is is Luke Skywalker's uh, school for Jedi. Um, yeah, yeah, right, and I think that's because it's fairly vague still, even as we like. Some more meaning through Empire. I don't, I'm not so sure. I would say Return of the Jedi adds more depth to the Force itself. Yeah, it's just there, uh, yeah. not not in a dismissive way, but you know, it's 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 part of the story and, and, and didn't really build. Right. Yeah, it, it um, more just reinforces what was kind of developed before um, than builds anything new. So yeah, yeah. And I I wonder just sort of a a sidebar on the legends thing. I wonder if maybe part of why we didn't get much in the way of, of, you know, force the force develop in the early legends is because maybe George didn't want people to, because I know there was a list of things Mm. that George uh, said, this is off limits. Like, you know, the prequel era stuff in particular, uh, they couldn't write about that. So I wonder if, if they were directed to keep things vague about the force because he was still trying to develop his own ideas about it, um, you know, on the side. So I, I don't know. I don't think that I was think the case. Um, that. Yeah. Although I, I'm pretty sure George's only big thing in that early era was just, you can't touch clone wars and you can't touch prequel era mm-hmm. stuff. I think that was the only real big thing. So I don't, I don't, I mean, could be, but I've not seen anything to give evidence that George also restricted force exploration. Um, yeah, but um, I recall one thing. I think John had intended to make the Nogri Sith at one point, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and he like, he said no to that. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think there was really. I, I never heard anything about the Force, but I mean, you never know. That could just be because it was so vague. Right. They didn't right. want to try to elaborate on it any deeper because there <laughs> yeah. was a consciousness about what they were doing that mm-hmm. George may come back to make movies mm-hmm. and he may contradict all of this stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I just, well, let's, let's get into those movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I just quick shout out Dawood to the fact that you mentioned that moment from courtship of princess Leia. I'm actually rereading that book right now because I love the princess and the scoundrel book. So I want to read like the other Han and Leia wedding story, which is not nearly as good, but it is a fun story. And that moment with Luke is actually really good um, where he, yeah, he's, he's injured laying on the ground and he just like calls all this life force to himself to kind of revive himself. 
it's a it's a great moment um but yeah, yeah. that's the only big thing there and um yeah but like as that we move consequential book though don't you think say say that again it's a strangely consequential book for yes. not having been i don't think it's a great book right but there's so much lore that like was built into star wars that's mm. then used now yep i mean yeah. dathmir it's the first place dathmir ever appears the night sisters there those came out of that book um i mean obviously han and leia being married the the intricacies of that and then even the stuff with like princes older and the hapes the, you know the planet of yeah. hapes that play that plays out huge in the um the future the stories later, like in legends. new jedi order a yeah. bit and then even more in legacy of the force so uh yeah that book that's a great point that book does have it plays a plays a big role in, in future legends uh, storytelling. So for those of you who haven't read Courtship of Princess Leia, if you're looking for a good time, it's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, anyway, so now looking to the prequel era and George's continued, you know, exploration and development of the force, what, what some of the first things that stick out to, to you, Dawood, from the prequel era? Honestly, most people get hung up on the midi chlorians, mm-hmm. and they think like, "Oh, he turned star, uh, turned the force into science." And to me, the biggest game changer that we get in the Phantom Menace is Qui Gon saying that about the midi chlorians that when you quiet your mind, you can hear the midi chlorians communicating to you the will of the force, mm-hmm. the will of the force. To me, that is the biggest game changer in everything about the Force that we've ever had. Yes. I mean, it completely changes the notion of it's just being this power that's out there that you can touch and use to do magic, essentially, <laughs> to something completely different. That it's, it's a, some kind of entity mm-hmm. that has a will. It has a reason for things being as they are. Or wanting certain things to be done. That totally changes everything. <laughs> yeah, yep. it, it really does. It's a small thing, and it definitely kind of has played out uh, consequentially in a lot of different ways, you know, down the road um, in many of the, the more recent, you know, content. But the idea of the will of the force, and I think some people had kind of implied that with stuff that we've gotten in the OT and with legends, but this is the first time that we actually concretely get the idea that yes, the, the force is at work um, through people, um, whether they're conscious of it or not in some cases. So, uh, and, and, you know, people like the Jedi uh, who, who tap into the force, who can utilize the force, are able to commune with it uh, through the Medichlorians in order to get a clear understanding of what is trying to be attempted, uh, you know, what, what a goal is. And, and it's not like necessarily specific goals like, oh, you need to go help, you know, this person on X planet, you know, do whatever. You know, it's like, it's more general than that, but it still has a will and it's still kind of, flows and pushes people through life uh, on a pathway. Um, 
And sometimes they know it and sometimes they don't. So, (laughs) yeah. And I I mean, you're so dead on Dawood with like, that is the biggest thing that changes with the force in the prequel era. And, and really the crux of what we get about the force is really packed into Phantom Menace. Um, And uh, we'll talk about maybe why that's also somewhat important moving forward. But you know, it's interesting because when you look at the OT, the force, the, any sort of exposition on the force is like we just talked about is is very rooted in Eastern traditions, particularly, again, Taoism and Buddhism. But moving now to the force, having a will, having a purpose, almost this consciousness and also bringing prophecies about chosen ones. it That's that's very Western, right? Like th- these mm-hmm. there's a lot of christian undertones to some of the force in the prequel trilogy um right it's it's not theistic kind of thing yeah it's not just this energy it's not like this this flowing principle or it, it it has a will um it's not necessarily i don't i wouldn't i don't know that i'd push it to say that it's you know personified as if it's some sort of theistic god but it does have you know, in order to have a will, you must have a consciousness. Um, and if the will has something to say to you, it, it, it must have a purpose. Um, and the fact that it, you know, there's this chosen one. I mean, and again, Anakin is born of a virgin. I mean, it can't smack any harder of, of Christian undertones. Although there are Buddhist stories about the fact that Siddhartha Gautama was born of a virgin. I mean, there's different schools of Buddhism with different different origin stories for him, to be fair. Um, but, you know, Anakin's story in Phantom Menace is heavily you know uh influenced by you know the nativity story of jesus um so it's it's just i think that is a profound difference that it goes from this this eastern principle of energy to this more western understanding of consciousness and will and purpose um and Qui-Gon, you know, to, to go back to the quote you started us with, Dawood, uh, you know, talking about quiet, learning to quiet your mind, which is, whoop, okay, so there's a bit of Eastern tradition in that, right? Like the idea of Zen meditation is simply to quiet one's mind. Um, but, but now there's this added element of quiet your mind so that you can hear the force speaking to you, right? Um, so it also opens the idea, and I, I feel like this isn't, not in the original trilogy, but made explicit in the prequel trilogy. The idea, though, that since the Force has a will that speaks to you, it's also a guide, right? So you learn to quiet your mind so that you can hear the Force guiding you, guiding you on the way. So I I, I feel like pointing that out is important because it's not that one trilogy is is got it right and one like kind of messed it up. I do feel like it it does sort of build on itself. So mm-hmm. in the originals, it's just, it's, it is this force one can tap into that one can feel, but then the prequels kind of say, yeah, and it also has a purpose. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. So again, I don't think that these are opposing ideals, but in a weird way, complementary. Uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you two think about that? Are, are they? <laughs> Go ahead. Edward. Um, I think the seed for the will of the force is actually in a new hope, Mm. right? That Luke's first training lesson, uh, Obi-Wan, I can't remember the exact quote, but he's telling Luke to, you mean it controls your actions? Partially. 
but it also obeys your command. Yeah. Controls your... Yeah. Yeah. Let go your conscious self and act on instinct, you know. Right. It's a responsive situation, right? Like, you have... You want to accomplish a goal, and the force wants to accomplish a goal, Mm. and you work together. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't think that's uncommon, ultimately, to most spiritual traditions anyway. Mm. But it's there without being really explicit in the OT until we get to the Phantom Menace and suddenly we have Obi-Wan Kenobi's Jedi Master telling Luke Skywalker's father that the Force has a will. Mm -hmm. And this wasn't the first time he mentioned it in the movie either because he mentions before that he believes it's the will of the Force that he finds Anakin. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. That's a pretty explicit, like, the Force is telling me to do things or making the situation happen that we have this come out this way. Yeah, uh, I would agree. It, it, I think it's complimentary. Um, you know, the, the idea of, of the Force having a will and being able to, to work within that uh, is definitely, you know, much more fleshed out and explored you know, by Qui-Gon in, in the prequels. Uh, but it almost seems like what Obi-Wan and Yoda are giving Luke in the original trilogy is the, the, the most condensed nugget of truth of all of that because they have such short amount of time with Luke to train him. You know, it's like they don't have time to get into all the doctrine and theology. It's just like, here's how this works you know, um, and, and how you can access this, you know, whereas someone going into the Jedi order has years ahead of them to, to learn all the intricacies of all this stuff. And so it's a bigger world and Luke will eventually get to the point where he starts exploring and learning about all that, uh, as he develops his own Jedi, I would imagine, um, Jedi order, but you know, it, it seems like they've taken, you know, if we're going chronologically by the films, it seems like they've taken the wider, uh, you know, concepts that are, you know, espoused in the Phantom Menace, and we get the 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 core nugget of that for for Luke in the original trilogy, which obviously it's that's because George started with the nugget and then kept building it later. But right, um, Luke gets the crash course. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here's the, the Jedi handbook. <laughs> yes. Here's the spark notes. Cram. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, no, I I I definitely think it is a huge, you know, dynamic shift and not not a contradictory dynamic shift, but a shift that takes what we knew and just gets you to another elevation of it. You know, it, it takes you from uh, a more intimate setting with the force to giving it a bit more of a, like a 30,000 foot view kind yeah. of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it contradictory at all. Yeah. No, yeah. I believe it. It's fully in accord with itself. It's just, mm-hmm. we didn't know that when we went in. Right. Maybe George didn't know it in that way when he finished even the work on the original trilogy. Yeah. But it was something that was in his mind, I think. Yeah. I, keep, well, I get the feeling that, that the force and the, the ideas and the concepts of that never really left George. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, and 
again, think, you know, these stories are never told in a vacuum from their cultural surrounding, right? So, you know, Dawood, you kind of, you know, indicated earlier that at this time, you know, in the the late 60s, early 70s, George was surrounded by this culture of interest and kind of like this transcendental spirituality um, that was certainly kind of appropriating Eastern traditions into American culture, but he's surrounded by this and, and understands that there's still a hunger for spirituality. And I think kind of this cultural shift now in the early two thousands, you have um, right. You, you, you see some of the dangers of religion, um, right. You, you see people being radicalized in their religions and, and the dangers that can then grow out of that radicalization and you also have the you know in the early 2000s the the horrible scandals about priests in the catholic church and right these these things that religions have become corrupt and then become forces of violence um and i think Mm -hmm. part of the prequel story is also showing that these jedi the ones who get their power from the force are more concerned with their power than with the force, right? And I think that's part of the cautionary tale of the prequel trilogies. Of course, how how systems of government can go from democracies to to fascist dictatorships, but also in the context of religion and spirituality, when when we when we start ignoring the will of the force um, for codes and dogmas, it's you know. <laughs> against the Jedi code. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when the dogmas and the, the rules become more important than the, the truth. Of yes. It. So, um, so I do think yeah. like, well, even in, important tension, I think in, in religions, uh, particularly Abrahamic religions mm-hmm. between the doctrinal, uh, authorities and the mystics. Right. Yeah. And you find that embodied in this tension between the council and Qui-Gon. Yes. Mm. Uh, of course. Which is, it's, it's a really weird shift for us to go into, right? Because Yoda was like the great mystic for us mm-hmm. when we started P. And then in the PT, he's the guy sitting in the chair going, no, don't do that. That's not the way to do things. You are deviating from what we tell you what to do. Yeah. He's yeah. tamping down on the mysticism. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's very true. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think like in the same way that George in 1977 wanted to recapture young people's sense of imagination in the spiritual, I think George is also trying to indicate specifically through the character of Qui-Gon that there is there is still a wondrous force out there that is worth paying attention to, but be careful of institutions that corrupt it. Um, yeah. You know, I think that there, yeah. that's some of the truth, even in, in this evolution of what, what we do with the force. Um, and this idea again, so like going back to where this all started with this idea that the force, you know, does have a will. There's some, obviously some level of consciousness to it. Um what are the things getting in the way of that? I think the prequel trilogy uh, brings that brings that up as well. Is so the force is this energy, but it's also and it's also this. It's this. It's this energy with a will and a purpose that guides your life and and creates life itself. What are the things that get in the way of that? Right. What are the things that impede its its natural flow? And things like Jedi Code uh, certainly do that. Um, which I just think yeah. is, is really and Jedi. 
yeah, kind of moving food. beyond their responsibilities and their calling, if you will, if we want to put it in that term, uh, you know, as keepers of peace uh, and transitioning into generals in an army. Yes. Uh, that, you know, one could, one could say that really kind of cut them off from the will of the force in a way that they hadn't been before. Mm-hmm. Um, and is part of why the downfall of the order happened. Right. Right. It's like there's a fundamental tension kind of in what they do from the start, I think. Yeah. Um, in the fact that like they're out here wielding swords of light and not necessarily, not necessarily in a symbolic way mm. at times. There's been times in there and I'm sure in the course of their history, however many thousands of years that stretches where it's been largely ceremonial and there's a philosophy behind it that's symbolic or whatever. But when they're made essentially the marshals of the wild, wild west, right? They're out there swinging swords at people. Yeah. They're having to kill people. And, and it's easy to transition from being connected uh, to everybody and everything through this force and becoming more insular because of that like starting to see people as enemies. Mm, Yeah. And circumstances might force you into that, but they have to be able to let it go. Right. Mm. Which is what's the, the climax of return of the Jedi where Luke is able to let it go. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah. We're seeing the opposite of that through the course of the, the prequel trilogy. Where Something the Jedi Anakin. are warrior, and this is my enemy, yeah. right? Yeah. And Anakin, Anakin can't let go, you know. Yeah, right. right. Well, and, of, and, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, do it. And he finds his fulfillment outside himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't find peace within. Yeah, yeah. And and we're not going to take the time to delve into the Clone Wars too in depth here, but. Just at the end of the day, somewhat similar to the conversation we had a bit ago about leg- early legends, Clone Wars really doesn't do that much outside the Mortis arc, which we probably won't touch because that's just the most confusing arc <laughs> in Star Wars to me. I would but, say the Mortis arc and the Yoda arc. Yes, yeah. Um, the Yoda arc, I think, is way yeah. more like Whoa. Yes, yes, that's true. Um, yeah. Because it's an idea. There's an idea in there, right? We heard about the living force from Qui-Gon in the Phantom Menace, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. We didn't hear anything else about that through the rest of the trilogy. So we don't really know what that means. But in the making of Episode One's book, George mentions something about this living force. But you have to have that making of book to have heard what he said about that or read what he said about that. He doesn't get to that until how many years into Force or into the Clone Wars is that? It's like season five, I think. Season six. Six. Yeah. Yeah. Six. Yeah, six. So it, it's – then you start hearing this is what the cosmic force and the living force actually are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it it goes so much deeper than what we had ever before that the force is more than that energy field created and sustained by all living things, right? It's It's even bigger than that. Yeah. It has a duality to it. Yeah. It, it has like a – it's like metaphysical levels, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you've got the cosmic force that's everything. It's bigger than everything. 
and the living force is like, that's the part that the Jedi and the Sith are manipulating or using or, or moving with, depending on how they approach the force. Right. Yeah. 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 And the cosmic is just beyond all that. It, it's the thing that gives them those hints of the future, but it, it's bigger than everything. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Starts um, bringing in the Eastern a little bit again. Right. So, <laughs> with the yeah, duality of it all. Like, mm-hmm. Or you could look at it almost like, um, in, like the, an impersonal essence of God versus like a more personalized deity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and um, not that the living force really isn't personal, but you know, it's right. a concept is similar, like a transcendence and imminence. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, I mean, that's certainly, uh, that's a balance that's always maintained in Christian traditions is, is this reality that God is both imminent and transcendent, right? That, that there, that God is personal and interacts and is invested in created the created reality and also beyond it. Um, yeah. So I think that's pretty common amongst the Abrahamic tradition. It's voice. It's, you know, it's viewed different ways not, not viewed or rather it's explained in different ways in different traditions. Yeah. Yeah. Largely it's the, it's the same essential teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, w- one, one final thing I want to just quick hit on in the prequels and, and uh, happy to listen to anything else you two want to say it, mainly because it's going to tie into when we get into the Disney era but again going back to this uh, this idea of midi-chlorians the midi-chlorians and I'm with you Dawood I think they were immediately just misunderstood I, I, again everything's in there the, the context is in the story they are you are told what they are and what they are not but people just chose to say oh so the force is just scientific biology no it never said that <laughs> um, but what I think uh, what I think the midi chlorians do um, is it, it, what's interesting is that that like it is something empirically, tangibly testable, um, and again, kind of reinforces something that legends introduce, which is kind of this hereditary nature of the force, right? When when Qui Gon sni- snips that blood sample from from baby Anakin and sends it off to Obi Wan, you know, over twenty thousand. Not even Master Yoda has a midi chlorian count that high. So right, this this idea that all created beings obviously have a midi chlorian count, and probably X number is at least like the low bar of can you go on this Jedi ride or not? Right? Like, do you have enough midichlorians <laughs> yeah. to get on the uh, the Temple Spire ride? Um, right. And <laughs> I get why it's there. Um, and, and this was even in the Jedi Academy trilogy again in the early Legends thing. Is Luke went around with this device that could read people's biology and tell you if they were Force sensitive? Now the midichlorians weren't weren't a thing yet, but it's somewhat similar. And it's not saying that right. The midichlorians are not the Force. They are simply a conduit biologically of of uh, translating the force to to beings um but it does kind of reinforce the idea that uh there's something in your blood that makes you more susceptible than others um and i think that's worth noting because when we get to the disney era it does something again a little different um in regards to, to that um and I personally have never had an issue with that that reality anyway. There, there was a study that came out back when I was an undergrad, and I wish I'd 
taken the time to to look it up and refresh myself on it. But there was the study done about it essentially just asked the question, posited the question, why are some people more inclined to religious experience than others? Um, and just kind of simply mm-hmm. studying it from the sense of like brainwaves and chemical neurotransmitters. So again, like a very biological study that some people, they, they coined it the God gene. Some people are just more susceptible to religious spiritual experience than others. Um, right. And I, 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 as soon as I read that, that article all the way back in like probably 2006 or something, I immediately was like, yeah, it's like the midi chlorians. Like it's not that it's not that not everyone has a taste of it, but some people just for whatever reason are more inclined to it. And, um, one of the great saints from the early church tradition is you know, Thomas Aquinas and Thomas Aquinas wrote extensively about how some people were just more full of the spirit than others. And it was never written in a, in a, a mode of derision or someone being better than others, but simply saying that some people were more susceptible to, to the voice of God than others. And those that were had a higher responsibility, right? So um, it, it certainly didn't make you better. It made you more responsible. So yes. Um, and, and that's, and that's true of prophetic traditions throughout, you know, old Testament scripture as well as the prophets were more susceptible to the word of God, but it, often wasn't for their benefit because they had to go say un- unwelcome things. They, so. they often struggled with it. Yeah. And it was a burden. Right. Frequently. Yeah. Um, it wasn't easy to bear because you oh. have a lot more responsibility. And that's how it plays out for the Jedi. Like you have a big responsibility on your hands. It is the Spider-Man quote, right? Yeah. Like with great, comes great responsibility. These people have this connection to the life force of the universe and they can do things with it mm-hmm. and they can do really bad things with it. Yeah. And so they have a huge responsibility and they're the solution that I guess the Jedi order has come up on. I don't know. We don't know necessarily about any other orders of their kind. Uh, it's your job is to serve everybody in the universe mm-hmm. to make life better for them, to help or not make, because that sounds a little too forceful, right? Right. For the Jedi. right. But to help yeah. ease the world for people. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and you know, Qui-Gon says to Anakin, training to be a Jedi, it's a hard life. You know, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there's a, a quote, what uh, was a panel in the Rise of Kylo Ren comic to jump a little ahead into the Disney era, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it explains the Orion situation really well without ever mentioning them, is that uh, there's another young... So it's like, it's a flashback to when Kylo was an apprentice at Luke's temple. And another young apprentice is just flummoxed by how easy everything seems for Ben. Mm. And Luke explains to her... It's not that like he has more of the force. It's that his the door is open more, and that her door might be a little less open, but it can open. It can open more, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's just through training. I mean, it, it, we've all seen it in our lives. Someone who's just a natural at something, right? Right. Well, let's say it's somebody who's a natural at skateboarding or basketball or something like that, right? They might be really good right off the bat, but they'll just some of those people will just take that for granted, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm a well, I'm a skateboarder. Somebody else may not be good right at the start, but they keep plugging away and working at it, mm-hmm. and they get 
really, really good. Might even surpass the natural. Yeah. Yeah. That like immediate natural ability doesn't necessarily mean that much. And it's, the midi chlorians I think are like that. And it's a weird way that the Jedi order is sort of constrained by another dogma, right? Right. They're not looking at anybody else, but anybody who's got this number on a chart. Yeah. Yep. And maybe that's not the best way to go about things. Right. Right. Well, and who knows? And I think that's, and that's to me, the, the, one of the best things that, so now moving in kind of like the Disney sequel era, Mm -hmm. um, right. With force awakens, we kind of, we don't get a reset, but we get again, uh, another built in layer with the force. Um, and I love that it comes from Maz Kanata, you know, close your eyes. You, Mm -hmm. You can feel the force in the way Maz portrays that moment. To Ray, it's almost as though Maz herself has touched the Force. She knows the Force. She's not. A, I am no Jedi, but I know the Force. And the way she's saying, "I know the Force," and obviously this is me giving my own interpretation. But the way she's saying, "But I know the Force," it, I don't think she's saying intellectually. Like I know about it. It's not. It's not that. It's I know the Force. I've I've experienced. I have felt. I have encountered the Force. Yeah. Um, I don't right, use yeah. the Force like a Jedi, but I know it. And I know that it's in you. Um, so I think what folks really liked that the sequel trilogy does in general is it democratizes the force in a way that, had, again, it, it kind of came into this almost like hereditary uh, standstill, if you will. And then, you know, the, the, the sequel era kind of opens it up again and says, no, 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 anybody can really touch the force. Um, I don't think it's I, I don't think it's trying to say that anybody can be a super powerful Jedi. I, I, I think no. that there still is the kind of the yes, anyone can. And there's also others that are just always going to be more gifted. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's part of this isn't explicitly the force itself. But, you know, the whole question between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker with Rey's identity. Right. You know, and people getting really mad when Rey nobody became Rey Palpatine. And, and I get it. Um but I do think it's it's not out of line with Star Wars canon to say that some people just it's in their blood to be more powerful. So and going back to the you know that wonderful analogy you were just giving Dawood of you know someone with natural ability as opposed to somebody who works at it. The person with natural ability though, if they continue to hone it, I, I'm sorry to say they're always going to be the they're always going to be better. I mean, no one's going to beat Michael Jordan as the best basketball player ever unless there's somebody who comes along with that much God given talent again. Um, right. Like, and, and the thing is, he obviously worked hard at it too. He honed that, that naturally given skill. But I do mm-hmm. think, I mean, even somebody as amazing as, is uh, LeBron James, like he can work as hard as he want, but I don't think he'll ever be Michael Jordan. Um, you know, I hate comparing people to Tom Brady cause I live in Boston and everybody thinks he's a God and I do not, but, um, <laughs> but, right, but as much as I hate to admit it, he has a natural ability that lots of quarterbacks can work their butts off for their whole lives and just will never have that, just never be that good. Um, yeah. and I think that but he also works like but crazy. He, yeah, he works too. like crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the part is the ability to just keep working at it. Yeah. By every hardship along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of my one of my favorite aspects of of the Force in the Disney era 
is that uh, you know, not only does it – you said it democratizes the force, but it definitely kind of – it gives us other avenues by which people are able to to interact with the force or believe in the force. Um, and my favorite of those is <laughs> the Guardians of the Wills and yeah. Chirrut and Bays. Yeah. Uh, primarily Chirrut because um, he's just my favorite in Rogue One. Um, but – you know the and this is definitely very much sort of Shaolin monk kind of a, a way that he operates, um, but I, I love the way that he's able to. He has such strong belief in the Force. It's not the Jedi's Force. It's not he doesn't approach it the way the Jedi do. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, the Force is this this you know this, you know uh, I don't know what if he refers to it as a power, if he refers to it as an energy, but it's this thing that is, you know, is something that can enlighten and, and uh, he can seek to, for assistance, for, you know, to, to move himself along its, its will, its, its path. It, it will guide him. Um, he does seem to believe that it, it, it still guides him and he can, you know, allow himself to be, to flow down that river and be guided by the currents of the force. Um, as we definitely see when he uh, walks out down the beach to the master switch, um, you know, that that is the, the ultimate pinnacle of his belief and the way that he walks out in that because everyone else is getting shot down. Um, no problem. And yet he, a blind man just slowly walks out there and is able to, you know, avoid all of the blaster fire to achieve the the goal necessary in the moment. So yeah, yeah I think Chirrut might be my favorite addition to Canon in the Disney era. Um <laughs> because of that. Yeah. He is a man of such deep faith. He believes he has absolute trust in the force. Believes that no matter what happens, all that happens as the force wills it. So mm-hmm. he believes everything's going to shake out for the best. Mm-hmm. And he sort of jokingly puts it that way when Baze comes and blasts all those stormtroopers off his back. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yes. he's, just, he's like, the force brought you to me, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. No, I mean, he's, he's, he's the kind of person. You know, he's 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 like that person that you know that you know prays constantly, and you know something goes right, and they say, "Well, it's because I prayed." You know, and you can't convince them otherwise. Um, right. You know, but you know, yeah. it's hard to argue sometimes with that person because maybe they're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, you have those experiences in life where you're like, everything seems to be going haywire for me. And then somehow something better comes along that you didn't expect. Right. Yeah, and yeah. that, that's cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. That's cheaper. I mean, he's not aiming light bow high fighters in the, in the same way as a Jedi might, but somehow he's doing it. Yeah. Even if he can't explicitly feel the force moving him. And I think maybe that's the big difference for, with the midi chlorine counts and like the threshold for whether or not a person is a candidate for training, right? Mm-hmm. Is that that person is going to be aware of what's happening. Whereas another person who maybe who went to the, the guardians of the wills trained at their temple 
to just meditate and do martial arts, which is what it seems like is the gist of what they do. It's not the same thing, but it somehow works out for some who have a really deep faith and commitment to it yeah. in a different way than a Jedi. Cause a Jedi doesn't even have to have strong faith. Right. I mean, it's, it's important to a degree, but it, because it's essentially, you know, you come back to the X-Men comparison, right? It's kind of a mutant that they have. So they, they can do these things without necessarily really understanding why, like, like Ray can just do stuff and she doesn't really know why. Right. Mm, yeah. Until Luke is like, no, it's, this is how the force works. Right. That's not how the force works. This is how the force works. The thing you said was wrong. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but it's just a different level of, of that. Like, I, I love to cheer it for that reason. I, it helps that Donnie Yen's one of my favorite martial arts action stars. So mm. that that's kind of a, a, a bonus on all of that. Yes, um, <laughs> but but it is true because uh, we're we're reintroduced to this this kind of faith aspect of the Force. Um, in the Disney era, because obviously we have the guardians of the wheels, but we also have the church of the force mm -hmm. represented yeah. by Laura Santeca in the force awakens. So there's people that believe in it, uh, even if they can't access it or, or, you know, tap into the force the way that, you know, Jedi and Sith can, um, you know, and you don't have to be, you know, force sensitive to that degree uh, that Jedi and Sith are, in order to believe uh, in order to have your belief be as strong as cheer it's, you know, <laughs> and still achieve amazing things, probably beyond his understanding and comprehension. He's, you know, he has such faith and belief in, in this that he doesn't need to understand how it works or why it works. He just understands it does work, you know, and that's what he holds on to in those moments of, of trial and, and, you know, <laughs> terror in some cases so mm -hmm. absolutely i didn't even get the sense that cheer attributes the things that he does to himself yeah like no. it's not like oh i whacked all those dudes upside the head with, a, with my stick like because he if he was left to his own power he, maybe he couldn't do it because mm -hmm. his whole life as far as we know we don't know how early in his life he joined that the the guardians of the world uh, but for a significant portion of his life, he's trained in this way and learned this philosophy and de developed this faith. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I think just kind of like even zooming, just zooming out again real quick, it's that's something really neat that the, the, the sequel era gave us is the idea that the force exists for people who aren't force users too, right? Like, like you said, Jason, there's the, there's the church of the force with Lord Santeca. Mm -hmm. There's the guardians of the wills. Um, and to be fair, I mean, even in clone wars, right? We get the, we get the night sisters of Dathmir and they're clearly force users just in a very different way. Um, mm -hmm. so it's, it's not a hundred percent new that like we get, say again, and Jar Jar's girlfriend and her people. That's right. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. They had the they have their own force thing. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the this concept though that the force is 
is available to everybody, I think, is is a huge part of of the the new Disney era of Star Wars and what it did with the Force. Um, yeah, and and I think that's <laughs> it's again like I, I the difference when you talk about now anything with the Disney era, like you don't have a guiding vision like you did with with George. Right. And, and I don't, I don't say that in a disparaging way. Like some people are obviously very annoyed that there's not a singular vision anymore, but when you have a singular vision to a degree, it's, it's, you know, it, things get shaped a certain way. So I don't know. And I, I guess I'm jumbling over my words here to simply say, I don't know whose idea it was to democratize, democratize the force the way they have. I don't know if that was just something JJ and Lawrence came up to, you know, with force awakens and then others just kind of took it, and did more with it. But all that to say, um, I feel like, again, culturally, there's a message there, you know, again, going back to where we started in the the late seventies with a, a culture kind of deprived of a sense of the spiritual. George wanted to rekindle that excitement, re, rekindle that interest. And I think in our current era, the, there's such a disdain for spirituality and religion. And now you've got this Disney era that's, creating religions around the force and anybody can tap into the force and that it's worth preserving. Um, right. I mean, I think that's one of my favorite messages from last Jedi is ultimately that Ray doesn't want to give up on the legacy of the Jedi. Um, because it's, they're important. They're very important to the galaxy. Not that they're the end all be all of the forces existence, but they're a very important aspect of of the uh, of the force again taking my favorite quote from Yoda in Clone Wars the for, force made visible a Jedi is Ray seems to just inherently right. understand that um, whereas Luke seems to have forgotten in his in his grief um, so mm-hmm. Ray's there to kind of to rekindle that um, and I, and I and I love that message that the Disney era kind of gives us with the sense of the force and the spirit of spirituality is that. Everyone is welcomed into those into those realms, and and it's important to maintain maintain these these. I struggle to say institutions because here in the prequels we're kind of crapping on the fact that they're institutionalized so strongly, but uh, that these things are important to our culture, that they are important to existence, um, and I like that that seems to be kind of the message of um, of the sequel trilogy in some ways with the Force is that this stuff is worth preserving because the galaxy needs it. Yeah. And the nice thing is that, you know, it it just continues to build on what we already have. It's not like any of this contradicts anything from the original trilogy or the prequel trilogy. Um, It just sort of expands it even more. So, you know, we've, we keep, you know, widening the lens on, on what we can see with the force. So, you know, we start with things very, very intimate and very insular, uh, just in terms of the Jedi, you know, because that's what Luke needs to know. Uh, and then we sort of broaden it out to sort of figure out that there's sort of organization to all of this, uh, and, and how that affects the Jedi and stuff in the prequel trilogy. And then we broaden it back out even more and say, but there's also all this stuff outside of this institution, uh, for people that, you know, aren't necessarily as in tune to the force to the level of being able to be a Jedi or something like that. So it's, you know, it just keeps widening the lens and it makes me wonder, is it going to get wider in the future? So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a real, 
you really do wonder, I mean, where could they go with it, you know, while not totally contradicting everything that's gone before. Um, I think, I think the high Republic is a kind of a good window mm-hmm. into that though, yeah. because now you have this introduction of how every Jedi experiences the force a, a bit differently than the next one. Maybe what we heard from Obi-Wan and Yoda was maybe they standardized it by the prequel trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, so that when we hear from Yoda and Obi-Wan, the, even their crash course may have been their, like a particular experience of the force that they codified rather than like allowing people to have that. Well, for me, it's a tree and for me, it's a fire for yeah. me. It's, a, it's the cosmic machinery, you know? Um, and it, it kind of, it's a window a little bit into, uh, have you, are you either of you familiar with the uh, perennialist or school of thought? Sure not. Um, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> <Nope>. so. <laughs> it's basically it was a, a philosophy of religion um, that every religion is pointing to the same reality, mm. and they all explicate it in a different way. And I think. I don't I'm not going to say that. I think that's the intent behind Star Wars is to say that like there's this one truth or one one cosmic reality that everyone's saying something about. Mm-hmm. Like religiously or spiritually. And we're going to kind of give the the kernel of that in the force, right? So you have that built out into things like the High Republic where each Jedi experiences that thing differently and can speak of it differently if they were going to speak of their inner experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was similar elements like that in <clears throat> legends um, in the new Jedi order. Um, you know, the, the conclusion of that being like the Yuzhan Vong's religion was a particular take on the, on their experience or the, even like kind of their agony and being right. Like, and so their gods represented aspects of the force to them. Yeah. And kind of taking it all back to that. And like, I, there were, there were a bunch of different force traditions and legend mm-hmm. in the legends era and some, sometimes different religions. I seem to remember Bakura having its own religion, but it was very much, essentially a force a take on the force even if they called it something different yeah um and i think that kind of maybe where we're going as the disney area era continues i mean the the groundbreaking stuff isn't on screen right now in terms of that that the force it's all on the page and in in your comic book you know (laughs) right yeah and you know just to offer uh, an alternative idea to this is, you know, perhaps the, the, the foundations of what, you know, Yoda or Obi-Wan or Qui-Gon might be teaching are still there and still very valid, but everyone's internal interpretation and everyone's internal, you know, way of connecting and way of understanding those, those principles varies, you know, and, and that's, that's true with everybody, you know, in, in, in how you think or how, you know, you're, you reacted to different things. So, um, you know, I, I, I learn auditorially 
uh, a lot better than, than my brother does. My brother is a very tactile learner. He has to get his hands involved. I don't. Uh, I can hear things and I can retain a lot of stuff. Um, but he, that's almost impossible for him, you know? So it's, it's different. It's, it's just a different way to, in my, my interpretation of, of how the Jedi are able to, to, to view the force is the, the truth of it all isn't different for each of them. It's just how they, they, they can see it in order to best access it. Um, so. Yeah. They're all pointing at the same thing. It's all. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of, there's an analogy from a, a Sufi poet, but I'm not picking up on it right now in my own head. So I'll drop that. Yeah. One. <laughs> no worries. No. And I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a great place to kind of, to kind of bring this evolutionary conversation kind of to, to its temporary conclusion, because, you know, as we've pointed out, I feel like each era of star Wars will probably has the opportunity to kind of continue to expand on what the force means. Um, and, and I love that, you know, you bring up the, the aspect from high Republic because high Republic is just doing wonderful stuff with, with the force. Um, and specifically that element of how every Jedi experiences it differently. Um, I mean, I love that because and no Jedi is threatened by somebody else's personification of the force or how they relate to it. Um, all of them are valid right. and all of them, again, kind of point to that same cosmic truth. Um, and, and, and I think in an interesting way that that continues then this thread of the democratization of the force um, and, and the way that it's, it's felt and known um, is unique to each individual. Um, and, and I think that's, mm -hmm. that's just absolutely awesome. Yeah. It's, we, we kept getting, you know, like I said, the lens kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger as we went through these different eras. And now with the high Republic, it's like, all right, now let's zoom way in on one person and see what they're, feeling you know it's 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 gone from you know thirty thousand foot view to uh google maps zooming in on somebody's backyard and said here's what they're doing on this saturday you know <laughs> yeah 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 i think it's always been the strength of the publishing side of star wars is the ability to go into someone's head mm -hmm. like yeah i mean it, we without a, a dialogue like unloading of lore or, or or internal monologuing we wouldn't know that avar chris experiences the force like a song right mm -hmm. and right. so we have the page for that now we want it we would have heard it in music and that it's a great way to sort of john williams avar's life right <laughs> yeah that she <laughs> the force. um but we wouldn't get that sort of thing without publishing. We don't really get it in even in the comics, right? Anything that goes more visual, we don't get those. Right. We don't get right. that until we read it in a book. And it, it should be really fascinating in this next wave of High Republic to when we go to Jeddah mm -hmm. in yeah. that era. Yeah. Are we going to get to explore some of those other religions on there? on that yeah. planet, like that everybody reveres this place as a sacred site of pilgrimage. Like, yeah, 
want that. I don't know if we'll get it, but I do want it. (laughs) (laughs) I hope in the future, like, we can branch. As much as I love the Jedi, I kind of hope we can branch away from them into exploring some of those other spiritual traditions within within the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to get some more insight into the Guardians of the Wills. I would love that. So, likewise. Yeah. (laughs) That YA novel is good, but it's not enough, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, no, not even close. <laughs> for sure, for sure. My favorite part of that is the is the uh, chapter break pages that have the little yes. excerpts from yep. religious. Yep, That's the yeah. best part of the book to me. Absolutely. Um. Well, you know nice. what? I think that's a. Uh, I think that's a pretty general but thorough overview of how the force has evolved throughout the history of star Wars as a, as a story. Um, but as always, you know, we'd love to hear from folks that, that listened in and, and, you know, let us know your own thoughts on, you know, what you've, you've seen the force kind of doing and changing over the years in star Wars, especially if there's something we may have missed in the episode. We always love to hear that feedback. Absolutely. Um, uh, and it, mm, go ahead. Well, I was, oh, go ahead. <laughs> um, and Dawood, I just want to thank you again for, for making the time to, to be on the show and to having this particular conversation. It was such a delight having you with us. Um, and you, you have a pretty awesome Instagram page where you post some really, <laughs> really, really wise and uh, introspective ideas around star Wars and, um, and your own religious traditions. Um, how, how can folks get involved with that? How can folks follow you in, in, in all of that sort of stuff? Thank you, Carl. Um, it, yeah, the Instagram page is at Jedi Sufism. Um, that's J E D I S U F I S M. Yeah. It started off as an idea of like, how can I use my action figure collection? <laughs> and it's a little hard to do from time to time. And also I'm not a great photographer. Um, so I've just kind of been emulating the Jeff fortune cookie smile. Sayings. <laughs> um, but anybody who's welcome to go follow that page. Uh, you may or may not find interesting things on it. I hope you do. <laughs> I certainly uh, have. And it's a, but it's about yeah well it's not about quantity so that's you know the quality is great so it's, yeah. it's worth the wait thank you absolutely um and carl if uh people want to weigh in on any of of the conversation that we've had here uh and give their thoughts on on the force and you know the different eras that we covered where can people get in contact with us uh, well, we are on Instagram at the Wampas Lair. We're also on Twitter at Wampas Lair. And you can always email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. And Jason, quick before we sign off, just just so folks are aware, we're going to actually take next week off. Um, we both have super crazy busy weeks. Um, so we'll be back in two weeks with, with a regular scheduled episode. Uh, we're going to, I believe, we're going to be diving into The Princess and the Scoundrel. Uh, we're going to be talking about that book, which I'm super excited to talk about. I've been loving on it hard on, on our social media. So, um, yeah, looking forward to having that conversation in a couple of weeks. It's going to be really great. 
Um, Dawood, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate you being here. It was a fantastic conversation. Thank you very much for having me on, you guys. Uh, I will say, assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and may the force be with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And with your spirit, my friend. (laughs) Uh, Anything else, Carl, before we close this down? That's it for me. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This has been episode number 482, The Evolution of the Force. For Carl and DeWood, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair. <laughs>